0: Welcome to FF Plus, a new spoiler-free outlet for movie reviews, entertainment recommendations, and discussion. Here you will
1: find a little bit of everything, from what's been entertaining us, to trailer reactions, industry hot topic conversation, and even film award predictions.
0: We hope you'll enjoy this addition to the Feelin' Film lineup and join us each week. Now, on to the show. Hello, listeners. I'm Aaron, and here with me, as usual, is my good buddy, Patch. Hey, everyone. And as you heard in the intro, you're listening to our brand new show, FF Plus. Now, you may have heard this before, and as a few of our listeners in the Facebook group pointed out, yes, we did have a brief period where FF Plus existed previously. However, that was a little bit of a different kind of show format, and it was on a different feed as well. This one is going to be a weekly episode, or mostly weekly episode, we may take a few off here and there, but mostly weekly episode that drops, uh, and we cover just kind of whatever's going on that week that's in our heads, a bit of this, a little bit of that, should be a lot of fun. So Patrick, what's going on right now, what, what just dropped kind of unexpectedly within the last week, was this new Black Mirror movie. I don't know about you, but I remember seeing online that this Black Mirror Bandersnatch movie was going to come out. It had been announced. And like two days later, it was out. <laughs> I mean, it was like, it was almost like the Cloverfield Paradox thing right, all over again, right. right? Which should have set off a red flag in hindsight. The, the, Absolutely. <laughs> anytime, yeah. <laughs> anytime Netflix decides we're going to tell you about something and like put it on Netflix 24 hours after we tell you about it. Uh-oh. But uh yeah, so Bandersnatch drops. I was not that hyped for it. Heard, okay, cool, it's going to be this choose-your-own-adventure story. Everybody's talking about it. I got excited about that. Like, that's a cool concept. I had only seen, like, three, maybe four Black Mirror episodes to this point before I watched the movie. So that's where I was coming to from it. And, yeah, I mean, I went into it thinking, okay, this could be fun. This could be really, really cool. I like Black Mirror's concepts of exploring, you know, sci-fi and Just near future ideas with ethical humiliation,
1: more humiliation, a little bit more humiliation with an occasional hopeful episode and then some more humiliation. I mean, (laughs) let's just call it what it is. Come on.
0: That is a very good analysis. Now that I've gone back and I've been watching the show for the last week, I've been trying to fill in all the episodes. I think I've got like three left now. You're absolutely right. There's like maybe two hopeful endings (laughs) that I can count that I've come across. And, uh, you know, Bandersnatch, for my money, and the endings that I mostly got out of this were not exactly in line with those two. They were more in line with the majority. So anyway, what did you think about this? Were you excited about it when you heard about it?
1: Yeah, I I came late to the party when uh, when it came to Black Mirror. I started watching it, I guess, when the fourth season started, uh, the USS uh, Callister. I kept seeing, like, oh my gosh, it's Star Trek, and it's Jesse Plemons, and what is this? And so... I started watching these things out of order. I intentionally avoided and have still avoided the very first episode because there are some images you just cannot get out of your head and don't want to have in your head. So I leave it at that. Um, anytime, yeah, you, if you watched Black Mirror, you know what I'm talking about, but every other episode I've seen and for the most part, I've enjoyed it. Honestly, from my personal taste, takes. I can't binge the stuff. I have to, I have to take it in chunks, which I think is probably the best for any kind of viewing experience of something like this, because it can be so heavy. It can be very just uh in your face and blame filled. And I joke when I say humiliating, but it really is. I mean, a number of the resolutions don't feel like there's a lot of hope. And what should you expect from a series title called black mirror? I mean, it, admits this idea that you will see the worst part of yourself when you look at your reflection. I have no problem with that. I think it's creative storytelling. I think it's actually some of the best anthology storytelling that I've seen in a while. Um, And so when Bandersnatch dropped, I was excited as well. I'd heard about this choose your own adventure type thing. I'd heard more about the fact that you may get 45 minutes of a story, you may get 90, but there's actually close to five and a half hours of actual footage. And so I started checking it out, and my initial takeaway was, I really don't like this. And (laughs) you were, I remember the
0: text actually. You were, you told me you were watching it, and I I kid you not, it was like 15 minutes later when you texted me and you said, I don't like this. I was like, Oh no.
1: So, so it's not about the story. I think the story is pretty, pretty fantastic. I love the concept and the meta nature of this being controlled by someone else or by something else where the story itself is about a game developer who's developing this choose your own adventure story. And it reminds me a lot of a video game I played uh, a while back called uh, now I can't remember.
0: I wrote oh, well. it down as a reminder, I actually knew that this would come up. And I said, you know, this reminded me of playing Telltale Games Studios. Uh, yes. Adventures who just closed recently, unfortunately, but this was like a live action version of that. But it reminded me of a game that I remember you loving, and that was The Stanley Parable, only not as funny.
1: So it's The Stanley Parable, but it's actually its sequel – not its sequel, but it's the second game from the original developer called The Beginner's Guide that's narrated by the game developer talking about these games that were given to him by another game developer and how he's trying to figure out this person's life by playing through his games and explaining them to us. It's very – self-aware and Bandersnatch I think is in its own way very self-aware. So conceptually it's pretty fantastic. But I realized that as much as I'd loved choose your own adventure books and still do, I'd love to get my son interested in it when he starts learning to read more of the chapter style books. Having to sit and make a decision and have it play out in such a slow burn like we're used to seeing with Black Mirror, it doesn't make it fun for me. It feels like work feels like, okay, I'd rather you just make the choice for me, because I'm more interested, not necessarily in the choice that I made, but of just the resolution of what the character is choosing to make. Now, as the story progresses, there are certain choices that get made, at least in the endings and the in the path that I went down, that made it more interesting. But at some point it got very repetitious. It got very just almost predictable. And when you combine that with the overall consistent tone that this episode, movie, whatever we're going to call it, has with other Black Mirror episodes. I really felt depressed after watching it. And so you combine this effort that you have to make by selecting something, which, again, conceptually is fantastic, but you combine that with the weighty nature of a story like this, and for my money, it just didn't hit on all cylinders. Uh, I would give it a three out of five as one of the gamers says during the story (laughs) regarding a particular game in the story.
0: He's grading this game over and over and over. Yeah. He's getting different scores. And I actually thought that was pretty witty and clever the way that the game, the reviewer would give this a different score based on your ending and what was taking place within the story. Absolutely. Yeah. I was, I was really high on this idea going into it because like I said, the telltale games are a series that I've played a large amount of their different stories Games like Until Dawn and Life is Strange, all of these that give you this illusion of free will and choice, that you are, it makes you think that you are directing the stories that you're consuming. It's interesting, though, because when you look at it, especially when you're going at it from this black mirror angle, where you're very aware of it, you're ultimately still playing something that is programmed, so... You know that you're not actually in charge or control of this, and that it's an illusion, but yet we want to continually seek a better and better version of the illusion, it seems like. It really reminded me a lot of the whole red pill versus blue pill concept, where, you know, do you want to deal with reality, or do you want to just live in the world where you're more and more faked out because it it you enjoy it better? And, you know, I've been open saying that I'm much a blue pill guy. Like I, I would like to live in the fake world personally. So I think that's why I'm drawn to this, um, this kind of storytelling. And I think it's also very different watching this maybe for someone that has deep seated faith um, and, and various religious beliefs, because depending on how you feel about free will, um, and where that comes from, uh, it, this story takes on a completely different angle, right? A completely different perspective from it. So I don't know. I, I was at about a 3.5 when I first watched it and I have done nothing but think less and less of it since then, as I reflected on it, what really bothered me the most out of Bandersnatch was I, I enjoyed the beginning. I enjoyed the idea of the story and this guy making his choose-your-own-adventure game, where it began to lose me, Patrick, is that many of the outcomes and these different paths, the choices became so tiny and inconsequential that I just got annoyed that the game was stopping me. Right. Or or the movie. I see I'm calling it a game, right? Because if anybody's played this kind of game in the last decade, this this was not shockingly new. Right. And so I was like, I'm going to give you an example. And and this is one brief spoiler I'm going to... talk about because i don't think it matters that much because frankly it doesn't matter what you choose (laughs) but basically there's a character that is offering you drugs you choose to not take the drugs and you end up taking the drugs anyway (laughs) you choose to take the drugs you take the drugs like there's literally no difference it's just a different scene that plays for about two seconds in between depending on which choice you picked those are the kind of things that drive me crazy in these games because it isn't it's a, it's a pause in my, my storytelling, a pause in my gameplay, and I feel there's no value in it. Yeah, there's no um, meaning. There's no meaning behind that. And, and so it just – it, it kind of rubbed me the wrong way. Yeah. Uh, and it I just got – got, for me, it got too self-aware at the end where – to the point where Netflix is, is clearly almost using it like as a meta way of advertising their own products, which is weird because I'm already paying and watching it on your service. You don't need to advertise to me. Um. And I just, it it, once it got that meta, it was like taking me out of the, I wanted more of an actual story being told. I wanted Mm -hmm. to see a character go through an actual progression and and an arc versus a completely self-aware kind of meta experience. So I I don't know. It just, it didn't work great for me.
1: Yeah, I, I think the length of it and the amount of choices that you could make bothered me. And that's, that's a personal thing. I mean, there, there are folks out there that absolutely love the fact that the exploration of Bandersnatch is in and of itself enjoyable because you're trying to go down these little paths and you're like, okay, well, what if I do choose this small thing? Is it going to have massive repercussions? Whereas I'm kind of like the guy who owned the game genie for the Nintendo that was like, I don't really care that I have to go through all these different hoops to get to level 10. I just want to get to level 10 so I can see the big boss. Again, that's my personality. I wasn't a, I wasn't really trying to be spoiled. I just I I don't like not having all the answers when it comes to something like this. You know, I feel like if I haven't uncovered everything, then it's incomplete for me. If I know that there's 10 things in this mystery box and I've only grabbed eight of them and there's two more that I I can't get because I have to do five or six other new things, it frustrates me. And so I'd rather just say, well, show me all the 10 things, but show me in a way that's incredibly satisfying. So I, I know that's a bit of like unfairness to the to the story and to the movie and to the concept. But at the same time, I, it made me realize that in television form, I don't think I want this.
0: Yeah, I, I don't think I do either. Um, I, it's not something I'm eager to to have more of. I will say one quick good thing before we wrap this up, and that is I did find it really interesting how over the course of making the decisions, our brains can easily come to the conclusion that this is a game. So we recognize fully that it is a project and control study, quotes, and our decisions because of that become less realistic and more fantastical. Because for me, I wanted to see the extreme reaches of what could happen versus – what I predicted the safe path would be. So it no right. longer really became whether I wanted Frosties or Sugar Pops or Sugar Puffs, whatever it is. It became me trying to do a quick analysis in my head of where each path might go, and I chose my answers that way. Right. Which is weird and and kind of like not really conducive to good storytelling. So,
1: But it's conducive to the concept of Black Mirror and that's the fact true.
0: that
1: Black Mirror explores what would it be like if we became the worst version of ourselves in some ways? That's not obviously the overarching idea behind Black Mirror, but it's a, it's a big theme. And our choices going more sadistic or more violent or more abstract because we want to see what happens speaks to, I think, what Black Mirror as a series is trying to say about humanity. I hate that because I think there's, you know, from a faith-based perspective, I think there's hope in all of us. But there's something very realistic about the fact that humanity does have this flawed nature and black mirror is a series of sort of talking to that. And this episode specifically is giving that side of our humanity, a chance to act itself out. Similarly to how I think the grand theft auto series Mm -hmm. allow for us to kind of portray ourselves in a way that we're not, you know, playing living vicariously through these criminals. I think there's a similar kind of thing going on.
0: Ah, that's a great a uh, comparison, actually. I'm going to wrap us up here. I just want to real quickly read a, a quick blurb from uh, Brian Tallarico. He's the senior critic at RogerEbert.com. And this is from his review. And it totally synopsizes exactly how I feel about it. And having listened to what you just said, I think it p- pretty much fits for you, too. He says this. He says, so why do I now feel kind of hollow at the end of Bandersnatch? It's not really a game in which you invest multiple hours and get deeply involved with the characters whose narrative you're authoring. And it's not quite a movie either. Several of the thematic ideas are underdeveloped no matter how you branch the story, and it ends abruptly. I was waiting for a result of a choice that really shocked me or felt like something that would tie the entire experience together into something that transcended the gimmick. It just doesn't quite happen. There are ideas in Bandersnatch about control and creativity that are worth exploring, but they feel like they were often sidelined to maintain the interactivity. I couldn't have said it better than that. Like, that is exactly how I felt. So... Um, yeah check out Brian's full review on RogerEber.com Patrick and I definitely met on this one um, but I think pretty positive on Black Mirror as a series overall okay man well we don't quite yet have our cues set up we're hoping to eventually get these cool little like noises and sounds so we can show you guys when we're gonna like transition into a new segment because that's what the show is all about little fun little variety segments but we're gonna do some in the news stuff now which is Talking Golden Globe predictions. The Golden Globes are coming up on NBC this coming Sunday, January 6th at 5 p.m. Pacific. You can watch it, obviously, on NBC, on on cable TV if you have that, or there are plenty of streaming options. So Google it or go to our Facebook group. There's a post there and check it out. See if you can find a way to view the Golden Globes. I believe they're even going to be streaming it on their Facebook page live. So there's lots of ways to uh, check that out. It's important when talking about the Globes to remember this, that these awards are voted on by the Hollywood Foreign Press. Now, the Hollywood Foreign Press is composed of roughly 90 members from 55 different countries. And that's as opposed to the 6,000 or so voters from all different areas of the film industry who vote on the Academy Awards. So we are talking a completely different dynamic of person (laughs) that is choosing these awards. And that is why the Golden Globes often come out very differently than the Academy Awards. That should help explain the differences that we sometimes see in these nominations. And so keep that in mind. The Academy Awards are often more considered prestigious, while the Globes is kind of like a party um, and a rock star-like atmosphere. Um, we are only going to discuss the film categories because, you know, this is feeling film, not right. feeling TV. And Patrick mm-hmm. and I haven't seen any of the TV, so that yeah. would be very difficult. All right, buddy. <laughs> a true so,
1: guessing game, right? <laughs> so...
0: We probably are going to be terrible at this, but uh, it's always fun to just real quickly. We're going to try to go through some of these, hit them for a minute or two each, uh, make our prediction, and then we'll be able to loop back either on a future FF Plus episode or the Facebook group and just kind of recap and see how well we did. I'll let you start. So we're going to do Best Original Song in a Motion Picture. The nominees are All the Stars, Black Panther, Girl in the Movies, Dumplin, Requiem for a Private War, from a Private War, Revelation from Boy Erased and Shallow from A Star is Born. Who you got? So let
1: me, let me go ahead and be candid about the fact that there are certain movies that I haven't seen yet. And so obviously I'm going to be limited in my voting capacity. In this case, I've seen Black Panther and The Star is Born. I haven't seen the other three. Dumplin is on my list to see next along with Boy Erased. But based on my personal opinion, I think Shallow should take the, take the cake in this one. And I'm a little sad that Um, that Ralph breaks the internet's original song that, um, what's her face? I can't remember what it was. Slaughter Race. Yeah. Slaughter Race. Race. A place called Slaughter Race did not make the cut. I was a little disappointed in that. So if I had to pick a a second close second, it would be shallow from a star is born.
0: Yeah. I think shallow is definitely the pick here and it will not be the last time that I pick something from a star is born in these awards predictions. Um, I think it's pretty much a hands down winner to be honest. Yeah. Next up, we have Best Original Score for a motion picture, and the nominees are Marco Beltrami from A Quiet Place, Alexander Desplat, Isle of Dogs, Ludwig Göransson Black Panther, Justin Hurwitz, First Man, and Mark Shaman from Mary Poppins Returns.
1: Yeah, so I am very familiar with both Mark Shaman and Justin Hurwitz. If I'm looking at all, all these nominees, Isle of Dogs is the only one that I haven't seen, but I'm going to go ahead and Give the, uh, give the award to first man. I think of the five, Justin Hurwitz's score fits so well and helps move the movie for me. Um, I don't even remember a quiet places score because it was quiet and I'm not being funny. I really don't remember that. And then Mary Poppins returns. I think Mark Shaman's score got kind of overshadowed by a lot of the up- updated music, uh, the lyrical music.
0: Yeah, I'm really shocked at seeing Mary Palmer's Return score on here. Didn't expect that one at all. Um, I was torn. Uh, in my favorites list, Alexander Desplot is right there with his Isle of Dogs score. And I think if there was one that was going to shock, that, that very well might be it. But I, like you, am going to go Justin Hurwitz and First Man. It is just too bombastic and too perfect for its movie and too impactful for its specific film uh, to be ignored. So I think that we're going to see it take the award here at the Globes. Next is Best Screenplay in a Motion Picture. The nominees are Alfonso Cuarón with Roma, Deborah Davis and Tony McNamara for The Favorite, Barry Jenkins for If Beale Street Could Talk, Adam McKay for Vice, and Peter Farrelly, Nick Vallonga and Brian Curry for Green Book.
1: So one of the movies that I'm planning on watching pretty soon as well is If Beale Street Could Talk. I've heard so many good things about that. And Roma is a close second in terms of my excitement level. Although I am not as excited about Roma as I am about If bill street could talk, um, of these five, I loved green books screenplay. I loved, love, love the dialogue and the relationship between the two main characters. But I think in terms of popularity, I think it's going to either go to if bill street could talk or Roma, and I'm going to go ahead and give it to if bill street could talk.
0: All right, that's fair. And I don't know that I would be super surprised if that happened. However, I am pretty sure it's going to go to the favorite. Um, I don't think you've seen this film, so this is going to be an interesting exercise here um, to see what happens. <laughs> because this is a favorite uh, in the awards race this year in a lot of categories. And its screenplay is one of those where it's, I think that if it's going to win some awards that are quote-unquote below the line and not the biggest of the prizes this is one where it, it could see getting, I could see it getting
1: nominated.
0: Um, yeah. Or one with. I could see it getting awarded.
1: That's the one with Emma Stone, right?
0: It is. Yes. Yeah. It's a very scathing screenplay. It's Yorgos Lanthimos' most accessible, which is why it's getting all of this praise. Not a fan, but many, many, many people are. So that's my pick. Next, we have Best Director for a motion picture. We have Bradley Cooper in A Star is Born, Alfonso Cuaron for Roma, Peter Farrelly for Green Book, Spike Lee for Black Klansman, and Adam McKay for Vice.
1: Man, he's filled, this is stacked. I think any one of these guys would be worthy of Best Director, and I'm going to go ahead and give it to Bradley Cooper. I think he has done an outstanding job with this film. It's done so much in terms of its emotional appeal, its widespread appeal, and seeing him in the director's chair for, I believe, the first time and to do such a fantastic job, you know, it's kind of like giving a freshman the Heisman Trophy. Do you really want to do that? I think, yeah, you absolutely do. But if any of these other guys get the award, it would not surprise me.
0: It wouldn't surprise me either. I think that the surprise pick good be, I don't know, man. I just don't know. I, I, couldn't. I could see this going any number of ways. I'll be honest right now and say, put my chips on the table. I, I'm going all in on A Star is Born in the Globes because I don't think that the Oscars are going to do that. Um, there's just too much critical response for some of these other films like The Favorite and Roma right <laughs> now. So I think the Globes is where A Star is Born is going to make its money and, and be the champ. And so I'm going Bradley Cooper in A Star is Born as well. Uh, I think it's an incredible directorial feat, freshman or not. I mean, this is a Johnny football freshman season that we're talking about, not, you know, some LSU quarterback. Uh, Whoa. Geez. Oh, sorry. Shots fired. Shots fired. <laughs> but um, I, I also wouldn't be shocked at all if Alfonso Cuaron was chosen. I think he is probably the best of the five in all honesty or the most deserving in a lot of ways. But I also just don't, I don't know. I don't see Roma blowing up the Golden Globes. It doesn't feel like it's that kind of film. So yeah. guess we'll find out. Next is best motion picture, foreign language. The nominees are Capernaum, Girl, Never Look Away, Roma and Shoplifters. Okay.
1: So, I'm just going to go ahead and pick Shoplifters since more people have been talking about that, oh, no I'm sorry, Roma, not Shoplifters. Of the two, those are the those are the two that I know of the most. Foreign films are obviously a shot in the dark for for me cuz I don't watch very many of them, but I'd probably give it to Roma since it's gotten a lot a lot of of buzz around it.
0: If it doesn't go to Roma, I'll be completely utterly shocked. Um, so I'm going Roma as well, although I will put a nod in and say my favorite foreign film of the year is absolutely Shoplifters. And if you have a chance to get to see that, listeners, please find a way to do so. It's an incredible film. I'm going to plug the In Session Film Podcast, who did a great episode on that one. Uh, so if you get a chance to see it, make sure you check out that episode. Um, but I love, love, love Shoplifters. Super powerful, amazing story about what family is. Um, what it isn't what does it matter things like that um, with great performances girl I don't think has a chance it's got a lot of controversy around it regarding uh, transgender actors and the people that play characters in that film uh, Capernaum I've actually heard really great things about but haven't got a chance to watch it myself and I don't think anybody else has seen it so yeah I think Roma is pretty much a lock here the next category we have best motion picture animated Yeah.
1: (laughs) So this is basically like pick your favorite at this point.
0: This one's tough. So we have Incredibles 2, Isle of Doggos, Mirai, Ralph Breaks the Internet, and Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse.
1: Well, I'm going to go ahead and just – there's no spoilers here for me. It's Spider-Verse for for all my money. I would love to see it take an award. To me, I feel like Spider-Verse is the Lego Batman of this year's award season in terms of, I know Lego Batman didn't get any nominations. Um, but spider verse feels like a movie that is truly symbolizing the success of what animated features are. And that's from a guy who had just seen route breaks the internet and absolutely loved it. So it's a, it's a close race for me, but I think it goes to Spider-Man.
0: I, don't know. I, I, I don't know. I really don't know. This is the Globes. I think that Spider-Man is probably going to end up being the Oscar favorite and take it for the very reasons that you just mentioned. But this is the Globes, man. And these are yeah. so hard to predict. I actually, because of the voting bodies, I'm going to lean on the Pixar film here. And I'm going to go okay. Incredibles too with my prediction. Um I actually have... Incredibles two, I love to hugs. Ralph breaks the internet and Spider Man ranked so close together in my end of the year rankings. I I will be fine with any of the four. Like I will be <laughs> I will literally be happy and I will be thrilled for those films and those filmmakers because they're all that good, which is awesome. a Problem to have and it's kind of weird because the one actual anime film, which is usually where I end up trying to hang my hat, Mirai, uh, by the director, Hasada, that we just talked about on our last episode, one of your favorites, um, his film, Wolf Children, that you really enjoyed. I, I didn't like it at all. Like, it was kind of like, ugh, for me. So it's just a weird timing thing with animated this year. But, um, yeah. yeah. Incredibles for me, Spider-Man for you. Okay. Next up, best actor in a supporting role in any motion picture. In any motion
1: picture. What are cool things, these,
0: these <laughs> well, you know, are. I have to clarify because we, we're going to get into this whole music or comedy and drama uh. and Yeah, it's coming. So, best actor in a sporting role in any motion picture. We have Mahershala Ali in Green Book, Timothy Chalamet in Beautiful Boy, Adam Driver in Black Klansman, Richard E. Grant in Can You Ever Forgive Me, and Sam Rockwell in Vice. <laughs>
1: without having seen Vice, I would love to give it to Sam Rockwell because he's just fantastic. And, but I've seen, I've seen, well, I've actually only seen one of these, my green book, but I've heard so much good stuff about, about Timothy Chalamet and beautiful boy and the, the heaviness of that role. And so I'm going to go ahead and say that he's going to get that one.
0: Wow. Bold choice. I actually have not, Heard anything other than seeing him nominated for the Golden Globes? I mean, I've seen it, and I and he's good. He's good. He is good. But I, not my favorite in here. I, I'm actually gonna pick with my head on this category. I loved Adam Driver's performance, but like honest to goodness, my favorite out of these by far is Mahershala Ali. Um, that's who my heart is with in this group. Um, many of these I wouldn't have nominated myself even. But Richard E. Grant has been cleaning up house in all of the critics awards i didn't actually get around to seeing can you ever forgive me but everybody that's seen it is just choosing him as the winner so i'm gonna go with richard grant for my choice here all right best actress in a supporting role in any motion picture we have amy adams in vice we have claire foy in first man we have regina king in if beale street could talk and then we have the two ladies from the favorite emma stone and rachel vice
1: yeah i'm gonna even though I think the favorite is the favorite, (laughs) I'm going to go with Claire Foy. I think she was absolutely phenomenal as Neil Armstrong's wife. And she was actually a surprise for me in that, you know, being that this is a biopic about him, her performance stood out as equal to Ryan Gosling's as Neil Armstrong.
0: So it didn't to me the first time around. And when I rewatched the film recently at home on a screener, to kind of see where it fell in my top 10 of the year, top 15 or whatever, her performance stood out way more than it did in the theater viewing. And I think that's because for me, the theater viewing was so steeped in that immersiveness of the audio and the visual aspects of that film. that The drama got to shine when I watched it at home and dude, she's phenomenal. And it wouldn't surprise me at all if she won this and I'd be perfectly happy for her. However, I do think that Regina King was probably the best supporting actress uh, performance of the year, and she's also been, like Richard E. Grant, pretty much sweeping the critical awards so far. So I'm going with Regina King for If Beale Street Could Talk. And I think once you see it, you might actually retroactively tell me you would have switched your pick, but we'll find Again, out. Again, yeah,
1: I fully admit that, that yeah. a lack of, a lack of viewing is definitely influencing my choices.
0: That's okay. That's okay. It happens. You've seen more than you normally do. so This is true. We are slowly, year by year, making progress, Patrick. (laughs) Okay, here we go. Best actor in a motion picture, dash, musical or comedy? Which not all of these are, but I digress. That's a whole other topical conversation that will take us an entire 30 minutes to get into. The nominees we have are Christian Bale in Vice, Lin-Manuel Miranda in Mary Poppins Returns, Viggo Mortensen Green Book, Robert Redford, the old man in the gun, and John C. Riley, Stan and Ollie.
1: Okay, so this is just weird because of that actual title, Best Actor, Musical or Comedy. So if you're if you're going to be specific, then Lin Manuel Manuel Miranda is going to be the front runner, musical, right? Or Christian Bale, comedy with with his performance as Dick Cheney. I think. My bold choice is that the Golden Globes are going to give Robert Redford a Golden Globe in his last hurrah film on screen. That's just – you heard it here, folks. whole prediction.
0: I can't yeah, wait to good. find out if that comes yeah, true. Did you did you watch this movie? No, but I want to. So I think you're going to really like it. First of all, I'm a big, humongous fan of everything David Lowry has done, and this is no different. This is a just – Our our buddy Jeremy, who's one of our contributors, put it like this in his review, and I kind of stole it for mine. He said, charming. Like, his one-word takeaway is charming, and that is exactly how I felt when I was watching this film as well. I do think you're going to love it. His performance is great. I love seeing him here. I'm a little shocked, though, amongst these nominees. John C. Riley for Stan and Ollie. I didn't even know this movie existed until recently. Like I literally, just today, got an invite for a press screening of this film in a couple weeks from now. Like, it's not even out yet. Like, for press, hardly. So, I, I don't know. I don't know what to think about that nomination. Um, Viggo is amazing. So, Green Book, you know, his performance could easily win this. I think it's between him and Bale. I am definitely going Christian Bale. I think that he's going to run away with it based on this list of nominees. And frankly, listeners, I'm sorry, but Lin-Manuel Miranda may be the only musical performance in this group, but there is nothing best actor about his performance in my opinion. I agree I agree I love love Lin-Manuel Miranda as a performer as an artist as a songwriter as as just a unique person in the industry but in this specific performance I do not believe he's justified in this category uh as nominations but Christian Bale for me Patrick went with Robert Redford I can't wait to see if that holds up all right best actress in a motion picture dash musical or comedy Emily Blunt in Mary Poppins Returns, Olivia Colman the favorite, our girl Elsie Fisher in 8th Grade. That's a cool nomination to see. Yeah. Charlize Theron in Tully and Constance Wu in Crazy Rich Asians, who oh. Jeremy Jeremy is very smitten with her right now, so I'm I, sure I, he would have hope for that victory.
1: Well, and I would second that if not for Elsie Fisher being on this list for me. I think in the same way that the in the Golden Globes are going to give the old man won last award. They're going to award this one to a young upstart actress named Elsie Fisher. I think she's going to take the golden globe for eighth grade.
0: I think you're absolutely crazy. Um, I think it's, <laughs> in, I think it's amazing that she even got nominated. I would, I'm going to jump up and down and scream if she does win this award in happiness, because I think that would be my favorite choice from this category for sure. Uh, but I'm going to pick Olivia Coleman in the favorite who is uh, really the Oscar favorite probably right now as well in a stacked field for best actress across the board um, across all genres of film so yeah I'm gonna go with her next is best motion picture dash musical or comedy the nominees are crazy rich Asians the favorite green book Mary Poppins returns and vice
1: I would love to pick crazy rich Asians this was probably one of my favorite comedies of 2018 I finished my viewing smiling just ear to ear going that was wonderful and it probably won't get it but for my money Crazy Rich Asians among those is probably the closest to a a true on comedy
0: um yeah I mean I think you're right (laughs) I don't think that it has any chance of winning this award probably not Uh, I'm going to go with the favorite. Again, the favorite is a comedy as well. Um, But in a completely different, you know, way. I I think the favorite is just the favorite that gosh, that pun is just simply never going to get old. I'm picking with my head, though. My heart is with Green Book in this category. Um, Very, very much so. In fact, you know, Viggo, Mahershala and the film itself, I would love to see them run the gamut here and win some awards. But I, the buzz has just been nothing but negative, it feels like, ever since this movie started off with a bang at Toronto International Film Festival. It got a standing ovation when it first got shown, and people loved it. And then in came the social justice complaints, and of course, we did a whole episode about that. So you can go back and listen to what Patrick and I thought, but we well, both love the film. and Honestly,
1: Aaron, it's because they took out the musical number when it released Nationwide. And so that's probably what gave it a lot of its negative criticism. We're like, where's the musical number for this musical or comedy? <laughs> <Sure.
0: Nice. laughs> All right. We got three more and these are the drama categories. We've got best actor in a motion picture dash drama, Bradley Cooper for a star is born. Willem Dafoe at eternity's gate as not Leonardo da Vinci as, um, Leon, is it da Vinci who cut his ear off? That would be Van Gogh. Okay. As Van Gogh, Lucas Hedges in Boy Erased, Remy Malik, Bohemian Rhapsody, and John David Washington, son of Denzel, in Black Klansman.
1: Okay. Well, my money is definitely on Remy Malik for Bohemian Rhapsody, the transformation that he made physically to portray Freddie Mercury. He was by far the highlight of the movie for a lot of people, including myself, and he elevated that probably... More than it should have been elevated.
0: I completely agree. Best part of that film by far for me. I, I think this is a two man race. This is between Rami Malik and Bradley Cooper. I will not be shocked if it goes either way. My personal choice is Bradley Cooper. That's who I want to win it. I still, folks, I'm still dying to get that Jackson Maine t shirt. So if anybody out there wants to get me a late Christmas gift, just go to a Starsborn website. It's there. It's amazing. Medium, size medium, this keto physique. And that Jackson Maine awesome t-shirt is incredible. I love it. And I love it because I love Bradley Cooper's performance. That being said, I'm going with Rami Malik as well. It is so, so difficult to play in a biopic and be transformed to where we don't see the actual person anymore. Now, I admit, I don't have that background with Queen that you and many others do. But for me, he was every bit, I can't think of his name. Rami Malik? No. Freddie Mercury? That guy. He was every bit Freddie Mercury. Uh And and I loved it. And I, thought, I think that he's the choice here. I think he's who the voters are going to go for. Yeah. Next, we have Best Actress in a Motion Picture, Dash Drama. I'm never going to get tired of saying it that way. Glenn Close for the Wife. Lady Gaga in A Star is Born. Nicole Kidman in Destroyer. Melissa McCarthy, Can You Ever Forgive Me? And Rosamund Pike in A Private War.
1: Yeah, this is a shot in the dark. A Star is Born is the only of those five that I've seen. And so by default, I'm going to go ahead and give it to Lady Gaga.
0: I agree. Uh, I think this is going to be where A Star is Born starts racking them up here. And I think she's going to be the winner. I don't know how her Oscar chances are going to hold up at this point, but I think that there's enough praise for her. And again, we talked earlier, this is the Rockstar Awards. <laughs> this is the Party Awards. Like, this is where I feel like Lady Gaga is going to absolutely be a shoe in. I've got to add one plug and say I am so happy to see Rosamund Pike nominated here because A Private War is one of my low key kind of un- unknown favorite films of the year that not many people got to see, and she's incredible in it. Another biopic where she's portraying someone, uh, and I, it's just it, it's great, and so I'm I'm happy to see her getting some recognition. All right, Patrick, last one, most best motion picture dash drama. We have Black Panther. Black Klansman, Black Raps- uh, Bohemian Rhapsody, <laughs> if Beale Street could talk, and A Star is Born.
1: Well, I think it's a, a three-man race at this point. And the, the surprise third for me is going to be Black Panther. I think this might be the movie that kind of turned some heads. Uh, I don't think Black Panther is going to win. But I think that if there were a chance for it to win win an award it's going to be here but my money is going to probably be on a star is born i think the performances the story the direction everything else just it all worked for me and of course my vote matters more than anybody so of course it's going to win
0: well i hope that you're correct and i think you will be correct i too think that it's going to be a star is born I wouldn't be completely shocked if A Star is Born runs shot and just sweeps all kinds of awards, to be honest, in the globes. Don't think it's going to do that in the Oscars, but here I think it could. A Star is Born, I was telling a friend the other day, has been the movie, the one movie I cannot stop thinking about. I've rewatched it on press screeners, and it just grows on me every single time. You know, by the end of... 2019 this might be my favorite film of 2018 i don't know like it, it just keeps going up and up i absolutely adore it i think it's incredible what an achievement it stuck with me and i hope and think that it's going to be the winner at the golden globes well that's cool okay so now we have them down for posterity's sake everybody knows we can't go back on them patrick um I don't predict either one of us doing very well. If either of us break 50%, I'll be pretty happy.
1: How about Heck you? Heck yeah. Yeah, no pop figures for, no, for this no. one. No, no, we're not. We're not, I'm already two down. I don't need to. No bets. I don't need to blow, blow my budget when I come visit this month.
0: All right, man. Well, this has been fun. Have you got anything you want to wrap up with before we kick this off?
1: Hey, I just want to say, if you guys are loving this, if this is a good first step for us, uh, leave us a review. Let us know what you think. Give us some feedback. We'd love to hear your thoughts, and uh, and we're glad to be doing this, having an opportunity to to talk through some of this stuff.
0: Yeah, we are. Um, we don't really know on a week-to-week basis what we're going to do either, so we can't really tell you, hey, next week on FF Plus, we're going to cover this or that, because we haven't decided yet. Something might come up on a Tuesday or a Wednesday before we record on a Thursday, and we throw that into the, the mix. But we are going to do, as we mentioned, we're going to do some trailer reactions, so Patrick and I are going to be watching first trailers only. I wanted to clarify that. We are not going to watch second, third, and fourth trailers because those tend to give away a lot. But the initial teaser trailers are usually the safest, so we may do some reacting to some of those, um, some quick pick recommendations, things like that. I know at some point we're going to be doing uh, uh, some conversation about the upcoming DC animated double feature that Fathom is running, Death yeah. of Superman and The Reign of the Superman. We're excited about that. Um, but yeah, if there's anything you guys want to hear us talk about on FF Plus – Let us know in those reviews or come to the Facebook discussion group. Seek us out on Twitter, wherever, and hit us up and tell us what you want, and we'll see if we can get that in. Absolutely. Hey, everyone. Thanks again for listening. If you enjoyed the show, we'd love to hear from you. You can leave us a review on iTunes or wherever you're listening. These help increase visibility for the show and grow our community of listeners like you.